Hello and welcome into episode 21 of the Orlando Drummer Podcast. We got some beers going. We're turning 21 today, huh? <laughs> 11 a.m. Good time as any. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's right. Cheers, sir. Cheers, sir. Boom, bop. Off-camera cheers. Off-camera cheers. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. How you been, Chris? Been all right. Been all right. Doing good now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. It should be, should be a fun one. I'm excited mm-hmm. to do Swap Steady Shed again. I love that segment. Oh, yeah. We got two rounds coming up today. Oh, so that's yeah. so fun. We're going to run into some really hilarious versions of that. I, I that hope segment. so. Um, <laughs> ooh, I'll change round two to make it real real funny. Okay. All right. Uh, so, but before we get to that, uh, we're going to start off with a loop of the week. Okay. What do we got? Loop fun. of the week. We got some funky, synthy, fun stuff this week. Okay. Looking at Neo Soul V1. Loop five, Neo Soul. Yeah, dude, that's a really fun pack for sure. Kind of challenging because it's the most drunk drumming, right? Like <laughs> pun intended, as we crack beers. It's like it's definitely the one of the few packs you can get away with some of that weird like time manipulation stuff. Is a lot of fun for sure. And Joe wrote almost all of those. I helped with a handful of the like synth melodies maybe or some of the shakers to make sure that the the feeling was right throughout them. But those are a lot of fun. Really, really cool. I would put that. One of the Neo Soul packs, I would put it in my probably top five loop packs, I think. Just really, really fun. Good melodies. So yeah, let's let him hear it. This is Neo Soul, what do you say, volume one, loop five? That's correct. Cool, check it out. lot of fun man they're really um i don't know just really groovy like a good example of of a pack that you don't chop over i don't know like the trap ones for me always feel like you're supposed to chop maybe just watch too much luke holland but it just feels like these are like or it's really the tempos like trap is so slow like 70 80 bpm just feels like you should shred a little bit but uh the neo souls are just like a little more pocket oriented so yeah if you're looking for uh for a, a loop pack or any drumless tracks that you can just lay back and groove, Neo Soul is definitely a good choice. And remember, you can stream uh, all 300 plus loops in the Orlando Drummer Library. It's one of the largest libraries, if not the largest library of drumless tracks in the world. You can stream all of them online or offline via uh, a membership to orlandodrummer.com. And remember, we have ODT, ODTV apps for our members, uh, iOS and Android. You can access the entire drumless loop library. And of course, we haven't even mentioned the 170 hours of content that's available on the site, ranging from audio and video masterclasses, social media masterclasses, um, a lot of stuff for content creators, and then of course, deep dives into rudiments, groove concepts, um, multiple fill lesson packs, you name it, I promise we'll have something that you will like. Uh, Use code ODPC and you can save 25% on your first two months. And there's our one and only sponsor of the Orlando Drummer Podcast. I'm curious to know what other lessons you can do in the future. I mean, you yeah, say it, if, you know, if you can think of it, it's probably there, but well, what can you think of that's not there that you'd like there? It's tough, man. It's it's really tough. You know, songs are the next thing, like breaking down. And I've done, I've done four. I've done four, what I call them, song study lesson packs, where you basically take a song that I've written the parts to. I don't teach other people's songs because selling that is ethically a little weird. But, um, you know, songs that I've played or performed on, like minor performance videos, I'll break those down from start to finish, like every note of the entire song. And I've done four of those, and there are, I think, two other songs, uh, Dead Hero and Wet Texan, Mm -hmm. which I've wanted to do full breakdowns for those. So that's probably the next thing I have lined up to do for OrlandoDrummer.com. But beyond that, man, it a lot of it is like, it's weird, man. Drums are so... The math doesn't change. Mm -hmm. So a six-stroke roll has been the same ever since somebody thought it up right? Like it doesn't really change. So in theory, a well done six stroke roll lesson 
from 100 years ago should still hold up just fine right now. But it's more so keeping up to date with the audio and video quality because obviously that just gets better, you know, over time. So for me, a lot of it is like circling back and tightening up lessons that I've done. There's definitely been a few full lesson packs that I've re-recorded. Hand speed, foot speed, boot camps. Those have both been totally reshot. where mm-hmm. like I, I made them. And then after a while, I was like, yeah, the floor tom's clipping in that lesson. So I had to, had to redo it. Uh, drum set control boot camp as well and a few master classes. So that's kind of where I'm at. But that, that's more of like a me and my career sort of thing. You know, yeah. I've been making lessons for 10 years. But um, it, to be honest, I think all the fundamentals are covered. I don't know what basic thing someone would want to learn or fundamental thing they'd want to learn that isn't already on the site. Probably jazz. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah, but if you want to learn jazz, you don't want to study with me, right? You want to go to a jazz player, a purist, somebody that really does that. Yeah. Yeah, or double bass. That's the other one. I don't really, I can play double bass, but it's been so long, I would have to like relearn a whole bunch of things and then reteach it. It's It's like a different style of fighting. It's like, oh, I'm not used to using that part of my body primarily. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's very much like that. Yeah. And I know I can because I had 26 Let Live songs down, which mm-hmm. all of them had double bass. So it's like I've done it before. I've gone down that wormhole and figured out a whole lot of stuff, but I didn't learn it. I started with songs, which is always weird because you learn the parts of the song and not it's not like you're doing exercises to like like you're not doing permutations to free up your feet. Mm-hmm. You just learn what that specific song like part in the song was. So I'd have to do a lot of unpacking if I ever wanted to teach double bass. Go, go way, way back to the beginning and start over. And yeah, and then I'm not really a metal guy. So it's like, do people want to learn metal from me? You should probably go talk to a guy that's done this his whole career exclusively. That's the guy to learn metal from, you know? Maybe, but I mean, couldn't you say that you'd be the stepping stone in that if you were to do double bass lessons? You would I at least, could, you know. But it's that it's that Carl Jung thing. It's like the unearned wisdom. Like I don't want to pretend like I really like live this kind of, or you know what I mean? Like it's not really mine just because I could teach it. It's a fine line there, right? Of like what you, what you can claim to have a right to in the drum industry. There's some things I feel really comfortable teaching because I've played it Mm. for so many years. You know, I just, I I know this stuff inside and out. Metal and jazz are like on the line there. It's like I could teach some stuff, but I don't want to like pretend that I'm the guy for that necessarily. So, so yeah, but I think songs are next. Dead Hero and Wet Texan. If you guys haven't heard those songs, they're minor performance videos. I'm going to break down those next. Cool. They're tricky. Very tricky. All right. Cool. Well, thank you for the insight. Yeah. Uh, move <laughs> on to the newest and most exciting segment that we have on the podcast, Swap Study Shed. Swap Study Shed. That's so right. fun. Yeah. For this uh, podcast. Yep. Yep. That's it. I'll give Adam three drummers that he has to choose which one he would swap gigs with take a lesson from or hang out and shed with yeah so like another game that's also three words but i'm not gonna say you get it you get it you get it you get it (laughs) all right first round thomas lang okay annika nilays and buddy rich Mm. Mm, that's hard because technically they're all so good like you want a lesson with all of them right yeah. Yeah. And you'd want to shed with all of them, too. Who would destroy you the hardest of those three? Buddy. Probably. You think Buddy? I was going to go Lang. Mm. Yeah, because Buddy, like, he was just such a specialist. Yeah. I mean, if it's a jazz shed, like, everybody in the world is dead. But if, it, you yeah. know, Thomas Lang could play double bass, right? He's got, like, that metal influence. So I think I would do, because of, like, the the time factor, like, the era that Buddy was was so well-known in... I think I would swap with him. I want to play like a crazy jazz gig, mm-hmm. you know, on... Um, you want to throw cymbals at people and yell at people on a bus. Yeah, and... yell at people and freak out <laughs> on everybody. Yeah, yeah. Well, didn't he... I'm sure he played like what? Like Johnny Carson? Like some of those yeah. super famous kind of shows? Yeah. Like that sort of thing. Like that's an experience that nobody gets to have anymore. It's gone, yeah. right? Like those shows... Well, they're just not what they used to be. So that would be really cool to play back then like to go back to the 50s 60s and play a jazz gig so i would swap gigs with buddy rich that would be really fun and then do i want to hang out with like just shed and jam and hang out with annika or with thomas lang i think i'm gonna go i'm gonna go lang i think i want to 
hang out and shed with him and then take the lesson with Annika. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I think Annika's in that, like, the Greb Yost bloodline of stuff. <laughs> bloodline. <laughs> such a weird way to say it. Stick line. It's stick line. Yeah, she's down <laughs> the stick line of them. Um, those, you know, those German phenomenons, right? That would be really cool. And she's also, I consider her a specialist, like yeah. with quintuplets, septuplets, like she's a real nerd for that sort of stuff. So I think she would have some more, I don't know, just interesting, like abstract concepts to share. And I've always gotten the impression, Lang, the, the impression that Thomas Lang is very cool. Yeah. Right? I've never, I, I don't the think Germanator. I've ever, yeah, the German, yeah. yeah. I've never, I don't think I've met him before. If I have, it's like in passing, like a, hey, how you doing? Uh, but I've always gotten the impression that he's a really cool guy. I know Luke did that big tour with him, yeah. with, with Roland, and they're good buddies. So yeah, I think that's what I would do. I'd probably want to hang out and shed with Thomas Lang. I'll, I'll take a lesson from Annika. That'd be very interesting. And I'm swapping with Buddy Rich. I yeah. want that. I want that old jazz gig. Sweet. Yeah. I'd what do you think? What would you do? Uh, I would do, I would shed with Annika, swap with Buddy. And study under Thomas Lang. Study under Lang. Yeah, that's a tough one. Like studying with Lang, it's not like he wouldn't have something to show you. That guy could. Yeah. That guy could fuck you up. He for, gave you for a fundamental years. lesson yeah. that'll screw with your entire yeah. process. You'd be yeah. like, no, try this instead, and then you like, I don't. Yeah. It's all alien. He's such an obvious studier oh too, God. right? Like you hear him play, it's so obvious that the guy just spends a lot of time with his head in a book, right? Or just, I don't know, really, really like investing in the craft um it's you just don't you don't get that good unless you do that kind of stuff so yeah, yeah. it'd be fun to take a lesson with him it'd be cool all right round two a little different here eric and proda Stuart copeland matt garska mm. Gar- man what's Stuart copeland's gig the police the police oh my god well that's the obvious swap that's the obvious swap. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess Eric and Matt both play in really cool bands, right? I mean, what do you have, like, Fever or Night Versus? So, like, really fun, aggressive rock metal. Um, by the way, Eric, I haven't even talked to him about this yet. He's coming with the Fever, opening for Slipknot and Kill Switch Engage in Tampa. God. And I haven't even talked to him, but I'm going to that show. So yeah. I hope I hope he gets me in, but I'm buying a ticket either way because that sounds like a really good time. Yeah. Um, so that's going to, that'll be cool. Um, is that is that for a, the uh, music festival in Tampa? Or just I think it's tour? just a show at an arena. It's, it's just one show? Just one show? I think so, oh, okay. yeah. Kelly sent me the flyer, I can't remember. Um, but yeah, Slipknot and Kill Switch, man, like 14-year-old me is just is in heaven. Um, so yeah, I think I would have to take Stuart Coat. How do you turn on a gig with the police? And it's not like playing with animals as leaders wouldn't be cool, but I would be highly skeptical of my technical ability to, <laughs> to play that gig. I'm going to need a few months to work some things out. So yeah, playing with the police though, oh my God, how fun would that be? And... Let's see. I think I would want to take the lesson with Garska. How could you turn that down? I mean, just such a conceptual drum nerd. I'd have to do that. And then I would hang out with Eric because we've hung out and shed plenty of times. But I would have to do that with him. Eric's a really, really good hang for as as cool of a drummer as he is. He's also a really, really cool person. I would definitely hang out with Eric even if we didn't have drums in common, which we do. But, um, yeah, I think that's what I'd do. That's kind of an easy one for sure because how do you – how do you turn down swapping gigs with Stuart Copeland if he's playing with the police? How fun would that be? And arenas. Arenas, of course, right? Yeah. That'd be yeah. awesome. I might switch with Matt. With Matt? Yeah. How many Swap. years do you need to play one Animals Lucy Seer song? Seven <laughs> goddamn years. Any sort of... But, I mean, I've been listening to Animals as Leaders for, it, for so long. Yeah, so longer, you would know, know the song, at yeah, least. Longer than the police. Like, even though they've been around longer, it's just like... I've. I've loved animals as leaders for years. Yeah. It's so. just it's just insanely technical music, man. It's it it's the kind of music I've never learned an animals as leader song cuz I, you know, I never wanted to die. But if you <laughs> if you if you wanted to, can't you imagine spending like a whole weekend on a on a bar? Yeah. A, me- a measure. Yeah. A yeah. measure. Of course, yeah. I could see it's that. It's one of those groups that if it, like Rush, right? 
It's a three-piece group that if any of the members left, it's disbanded. You cannot sure. replace any of those members with another human being because it's it's just that special. I'd agree with that. Yeah, it's right. just a very particular chemistry yeah. that you can't really toy with or it's not the same anymore. Which somehow, it, at the same level of musicality, some, something like Snarky Puppy has had... How many members? Yeah. Well, when you have 14 members, I think that's what they tour with, like 14. Yeah. Yeah. You can definitely do some swaps. The drummers especially, right? Three or four. Um, let's see. Sput. Larnell. Ross. Larnell. Oh, Jameson Ross. That's another one. God. Jonathan a... Thomas. I think he yeah. might have done some stuff with them. That's four already. <laughs> to, yeah. And to, to play, I mean, not exactly the same parts in every show, but very yeah. similar in feel and... Yeah, to reinterpret them and stuff yeah. though at all. It's cool. Yeah, very. It'd be fun to have a gig like that where you have to play roughly the same parts, but you get a lot of wiggle room. Not all gigs are like that, right? I mean, the more pop oriented yeah, it is, the less you get more, to do. Yeah, more exact to what it's been already transcribed to be. Because by the time by the time you get to Taylor Swift, it is your interpretation is not welcome. Like yeah, this, this because, is how the song goes. Yeah, dude. yeah, yeah. The specific, um, can't even think of the word notations to be sure. exactly because then it's unrecognizable outside of that yeah yeah well you're just yeah you're playing the album exactly how it's been played on the radio two billion times is how yeah. you're playing it right which something about that's not appealing right mm. it, it would be fun but like man those are some rules that's a that's a lot of rules for a creative an allegedly creative position as a musician yeah. right it is why going to some shows where the band's are very musically inclined and their performances on on a show are not just playing an album playing the songs it's mixing yeah. the discography of the band into a full set to where sure. it's like 100 percent noise no silence no breaks yeah music throughout the entire performance which is great and different artists seem to be they have different views of that like i love when aaron spears posts some clips from him playing with ariana grande because man ariana seems to be pretty loose with what she allows the band to do. He's got yeah. a lot of wiggle room in some of those tracks. Another awesome example, uh, I'm a huge fan of this girl. Her name's Ella May. Mm -hmm. um, oh my gosh, she's so sick. Just like an R&B singer. But she did SNL like, I want to say maybe a year ago. And so I watched just to see the musical performance um, because I, I just love her music. And man, she had like a full like gospel band that play and like let them go like let them go absolutely crazy like full that's four cool. bar drum solo breaks and like it was really cool because you know when you take a gig you really don't know if that kind of thing is going to be allowed but it's cool to see people like let their band do their thing i like that a lot that's how i would prefer to do it we should find that set and then find the drummer and then feature them yeah that's a good call yeah it was cool i remember loving it it was really cool i'm gonna write that down um okay well that does it for swap study shed all right um, that was a very long conversation <laughs> that was afterwards awesome. episode 21 all right so that'll move us on into accent or ghost accent or ghost so i watched this ted talk okay um called the healing drummer drummer um toby christensen was the speaker in this TED Talk. And he talked about the healing powers of a djembe. Oh, that specific drama. Yeah. Okay. But it hit, all he was saying was, I, I felt a, a healing power. And then the rest of the video, which was eight minutes in remainder, mm -hmm. was just him playing. Oh, wow. Not like, okay. <laughs> and just like constant beat, like house music type tempo, like sure. playing. And I was like, I don't, I don't understand this. Mm. So, drum, what do you think about drums and percussion being used as therapy? As therapy, I like that word therapy a lot better than the word healing because that's a little too abstract for me. Um, therapy, though, yeah, and I liken this to like a forced meditation. Like it will playing drums. If you're really playing drums, like you are, you are consumed by the music itself. You know, a good analogy for this would be, what was Bob Marley's quote? Like, when I play music, I feel no pain, that sort of thing. And that you are so consumed by the music itself that you're almost in a forced meditative state where you really, you, you have this inability to think of other things. And that, 
to me is some sort of like a mental break like you get a pause right it's one of the reasons that that meditation is such a such a helpful thing to do is because it's one of the the times when you truly get to for lack of better words turn your brain off right like not have active thoughts just sort of assaulting your consciousness all the time which is what it's like to be a human right like your brain is sort of active all the time um so yeah i, I mean I, I definitely it's hard to quantify and it's going to be very personal and different from person to person but i do think that there are some therapeutic benefits to playing drums in that you get this uh, a certain version of a reset or at least a break or a pause from the the homeostasis that your brain is normally in which is like an active thought like things are always sort of moving the gears are always turning you make somewhere in the ballpark what is it like 10,000 decisions a day and you know it's constant right so i don't know there is definitely something very consuming about music that would that would alleviate some of the i don't know the burdens of consciousness itself i suppose but it, it depends on 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 what a person's problem is like what do you need therapy for you know like a good example of a therapy that could go either way like it would help some people and not some others is equestrian therapy that's a fascinating one like um like horse therapy because one of the reasons this works it's really fascinating i've been to a few horse farms over the years and learned this horses they have this like weird intuition when it comes to humans where they will they will obey a command that you give them a trained horse will but only if you say it the right way if you say it with an attitude they don't do it it's very interesting so it's like how you approach the problem is related to whether or not the problem gets solved. It's not just doing the thing you're supposed to do, it's also like your mindset while you're doing it. And that's one of the reasons that that therapy would be beneficial to someone. But if someone else had a different problem, that's a weird therapy for them. It might not have any impact at all, or it might just be an irrelevant exercise for their particular problem. So I don't, I wouldn't claim that like drums can help everybody and everyone should be a drummer for the therapeutic and meditative advantages that it might offer. But you could say that about, about therapy and meditation in of itself. Like if you don't have anything that allows you to escape your consciousness in a healthy way, at least momentarily, then you probably need something like that. So if it wasn't drumming, it would be running. If it wasn't running, it could be, I don't know, spending time with your family. If it wasn't that, it could be any other hobby or passion or thing that, that again, consumes your consciousness to give you a, a break from consciousness itself. So hopefully that makes sense. But yeah, drums, it could be therapy, man. It really could for some people. Just it's it's very personal. Depends on if that that does it for you. Does it feel therapeutic? If it does, then it's probably a good therapy, right? Yep. So accent or ghosts. I'll that. give it the I'll give it the accent. Not for everybody, but I think as a whole, it's probably a very useful tool. And I would also think kids, it would be more useful. I would think a uh, okay. let's just say like a stressed out eight-year-old. Like drums might be all that you need to ha sort of have that like mental break and to get your mind off of the thing that's bothering you like in a more mm -hmm. simplistic way. I don't know that it would be as impactful for an adult because you're just dealing with like real shit. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it might just feel a little novel to an adult. Um, but again, person to person, it depends. I'll give it the accent though. I think right. conceptually it makes a lot of sense. Okay. All right, next is matching hardware. Matching hardware, like all the brands the same on all your cymbal stands. Like, I got all Tama hardware. Yeah. I think, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think, oh God, that, that's, it's definitely in the area of like, who cares? You're the only one that cares. I have, I played mismatch hardware for a long, long, long time, years. Like tons of my videos have mis mismatched hardware. And I genuinely never thought about it. If I grabbed... A, uh, it's, it's just who it, 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 yeah you can suspend it via a string from the ceiling nobody will care yeah like, well so i have gotten i'll say in my entire career maybe five comments of people that are like oh that's a different stand than the other one and i'm just blown away every time like how do you know that like who who looks at the stands when you're watching a video it's weird you know i i played I had a, a Frankenstein setup of hardware for a very, very long time. And then I actually found that I weirdly liked Mapex hardware. Yeah. I just liked their their cymbal stands a lot, and they were priced pretty well. And I really don't love Mapex as a brand. It's no knock on them. It's just not my kind of kid. Mm -hmm. It's not, not my sound in particular. But I was, I was uh, 
you know, in love with this particular symbol stand. And so I bought one or two of them. And as soon as I did, within a week, people were like, what did you get a Mapex stand for? And it, was, it doesn't match the like Thomas stand that you had. I don't understand that. It's very strange that people would notice. So yeah, it's that's one of those things like if you care, then you can go buy all matching hardware, but nobody else does. I sure don't. I don't know anybody that would care about that at all, no. especially in the touring world. Once you get to that world, it's just like, any stand that holds a symbol up is acceptable. Like, no, just, you know. Yeah, some I people mean, are nerdy about that, but yeah. not me. Obviously, if you're like a, I don't know, like a DW artist and it all matches and it's cool because you got DW hardware, the drum tech's happy because the drum tech's like, well, it all, you know, yeah. goes with the, you know, all the adapters fit and it's yeah. not that much, you know, it's not hard to work with, but... It holds up symbols like it just yeah or you know toms but you know one thing DW had years ago they never really fully released it I feel like Thomas Lang had it and they were sort of promoting it but it never actually came to market I don't I think. think I know what you're gonna talk it about it was the air piston D yeah the DW like air control something like that I remember seeing like a marketing stand. thing for it but I don't think it ever hit the market and I would assume because. They got to be several hundred dollars per stand, but it was like an air piston where you press a button and it like a like a high end throne, right? Where it's actually yeah. got like hydraulics in it, and you could set. I imagine you would be able to set the predetermined height of each symbol stand, and then you put the stand on the ground, press a button, and it like bzz, 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 like elevates itself to the correct height, which is pretty sick. I guess the problem would be like who's gonna buy that? Like you have to have a ton of money. And gig often, right? Because you don't really need that if you're at home. So studio players might not want that. It's an interesting product, but I always thought that was very interesting if they could get the cost low enough to actually distribute it. Um, you looking it up? Technically, Sweetwater has the DWDWC-P9300AL9000 series airlift snare stand. What is that name? What the <laughs> hell is that? Who That's the <laughs> DW and then whatever the serial Come code on. is for the model number or okay. whatever. Two hundred and nineteen dollars. Um, That's not insane. The Rolls Royce of snare drum stands. It's the a DW ninety three hundred AL airlift snare stand is designed with double pedal setups in mind. The offset basket allows optimal snare positioning while remaining balanced. But that's just the beginning of the ninety three hundred AL stand story. That just rolls off the tongue. Um, there's a pneumatic shock that allows your snare drum to float on a cushion of air for quick, effortless, and exact adjustments every time. Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, snare would need more adjustment than a lot of other stands. But yeah. But still, that's interesting. 219. Yeah, I mean, that's high for a snare basket. Pretty high. But still, I mean, that's kind of cool. Yeah. What was that model number one more time? <laughs> <laughs> well, now I'm on a different one. The DW, DWCP9399AL9000. Got it, got it. <laughs> Put that in your notes. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely insane. Just the, the hardware can get so specific for yeah. specific needs and it's like it just needs to hold stuff up really yeah it really does hold stuff up and not fall over you know that's the only advantage yeah. of upgrading hardware is that it's more more sturdy double yeah. braced legs a little bit thicker but yeah when you get into the high end it's like hyper adjustability and you're just like oh because you can do like a half a degree adjustment yeah that's i can move it by fine, an extra millimeter but i like i don't care yeah. You typically get away with like a 10 millimeter tolerance. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Cool. So that does it for accent or ghost. Um, oh, sorry. Are we going to accent or ghost matching hardware? I think we're going to ghost it. Ghost Who cares? It. Who cares? Yeah. Not a big deal. Just not a big deal at all. <laughs> and all right. An accent and a ghost on accent or ghost. That'll do it. For that, we'll move us on to. Sleeper Spotlight. Sleeper Spotlight. This is a good one last week. I really liked last week. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. I had a lot of uh, Carlos and... Lisa. Yeah. Yeah. Lisa. Yeah, they were both, awesome. Both badasses. It was cool. Yeah, man. So in this segment, if you don't know, we introduce a drummer that y'all are sleeping on. And we get Adam's opinions, impressions, and constructive criticism, if there's any at all, which usually there isn't too many negative criticisms, but... Because you positive. pick shredders is what happens. Yeah. All right. All right so first up is <clears throat> Hernan Comas. Hernan. All right.
flipped it. Ooh, tricky, man. Man, I don't know what that modulation was. That, that was, was cool. That was definitely very, very tricky for sure. I like his, uh, I like his setup as a whole for sure. Very studio oriented, obviously, with the full recording rig right next to his kit, yeah. um, and a lot of metal influence. It's funny you can tell when people had a long metal phase, even if that's not what they play. You can see it all left over, like in his playing, in a way. Um, very like, what's the way to say it? I don't know, like machine-ish, right? Like you can just hear the like the matchiness of the stroke volume a lot of times. Yeah. I don't know, it's hard to say exactly what that metal influence is, but you can see it in his playing for sure. Really clean, man, for sure. I thought that the one piece of criticism, I'll say the toms were very boomy. And one of the reasons you might not want super boomy toms in metal is because you play so fast down the toms that it can get a little bit hard to distinguish some of the notes but yeah. that could be fixed in in mixing it could be a matter of bumping like 5k on the eq on your toms it's a good little trick to just get a little bit more snap out of the toms or scoop the low end at 200 or 500 kind of scoop that down a little but um overall the kit still sounded good it sounded absolutely massive but a little like arena rock was yeah. sort of the kit vibe that i got but that was great man real clean real fast that was awesome yeah his his instagram's full of metal covers so okay he does play a lot of metal yeah if you want to watch the metal covers this guy kills it he's oh. great what kind of music does he normally cover i think like judas priest was on there um definitely um oh god i can't even iron maiden was on there iron as well. gotcha yeah. so he's in like some classic metal yeah yeah real cool. classic metal so the guy's got great taste i have to say awesome um, but all right yeah, we got another one from hernan let's do another one from hernan here we go Ooh, Sonar Pro Light. Kit sounded way better. I like that kit a lot. That's a Sonar Pro Light. That is a <laughs> that is a very expensive kit. Yes, it is. the The finish on that is exactly the same as the one I played at Drumio. They have that it's, kit. It's a common one, yeah. Yeah, it's that um. Finish. I want to say Nusen Nusebaum Nusenbaum. It's got a weird like German name for the color. Um, but yeah, that exact kit I imagine in the same dimensions because Pro Lights are not customizable. I think it's still a production line kit. But yeah, I've played that exact same kit before at Drumio. It's the sonar they have there. And man, does that thing sound good. It is just such a high-end kit. I want to say seven grand. Six or seven grand is what that thing costs. I'm going to look it up now. Yeah, yeah. it's it's beautiful. It's be I don't know that they still make the ProLite. They might. I'm really not sure. It's on their website, ProLite. Huh. All right. Yeah, yeah it's, it's an awesome kit, man. It sounds absolutely amazing. Good studio kit for sure. So I love that kit sound. That was cool. You and are right. It is the Newsbaum. 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 Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful, man. Almost like a cherry kind of wood. Really pretty. Uh, I thought the playing was good, man. Definitely a good mix of like the fast, powerful single strokes that you would find from a metal player, but also a lot of more, I don't want to say modern ideas, but like 30-second note, five-stroke rolls on the hats in a halftime groove, like that sort of thing, like a touch more fusion-y. Um, good player, man. Really, really good player. I... Uh, I think I would like to hear him not with these symbols because these are the loudest symbols on the planet. Uh, They're Pisces. Pisces Roods, man. Yeah. They're so unbelievably heavy. Yeah. So I would love to hear some more. I mean, selfishly, I would say minor, like something a little bit more like... Refined and yeah, mature. I well, I don't want to <laughs> use the word like tasteful offensively to say that like this was not tasteful. It's just a very specific kind of sound. And that sound is like loud yeah. loud like that's loud. what that's what they're good at right it's a I've, ton of metal i've never had a good experience listening to the peisty symbols peisty roots well never. the root specifically peisty makes some it makes some oh, amazing yeah. Oh, yeah. symbols the for 2002 for, big old 24 inch ride that thing is beautiful that and the um signature sound edge what is it called signature something i could find it it's like their constantinople or their foundry reserve like they've got the highest end yeah what's the highest end peisty I had a set of hats years ago, and dude, they nice. were they were nice, really, really nice, very boutiquey. You the know, signature classic, 
Signature class. It wasn't what I had, but signature is definitely the highest end, top of the line. I think it's 2002s. I don't know. I don't know enough to say if that's wrong or right, but whatever I had didn't have 2002 on it. It looked like a Constantinople or a Foundry Reserve, like hand-hammered. I'm looking. I don't see. I don't know. I, it's just not a company I keep up with at yeah, all. Yeah, if anybody knows, yeah. shoot a comment down below. Interesting. But, well, anyway. either way, this guy was this guy was awesome. I love that kit, dude. That kit sounds fantastic. It should Beautiful. for the money. So, Beautiful. Actually, I'm curious. eBay search uh, Sonar Pro Light. Just to see what do they run used? I'm I'm guessing like forty five hundred used. All right, that's my guess. May need to check uh, like reverb or something. What did you say? Used? I'm guessing forty five hundred for a used Sonar Pro Light. Uh, thirty two hundred was the first one that came out. Thirty four hundred, forty two hundred. Okay. Pro Light stage chocolate burl, small sizes. Huh. 8x10, 9x12, 14x14, 18x20. 18x20 bass drum. Man, expensive kit. Yeah. Very expensive yeah, kit. Yeah, $4,000. Yeah, up at the top end, they're about 4200 Four. Wow, and that's for used, man. That is insane. Yeah, so like six, seven new, that would make sense. I don't know, man. At that rate, that's just too much. It's a just, lot just don't, of money. Just don't spend that much money. Yeah. You, you, I mean, I don't know. Instead of a... Instead of a Mercedes, buy a Camry. It'll, yeah, like, it'll it'll get you where you need to go. It's that's a lot sure. better to take care of and a lot cheaper. <laughs> like the insurance is better. Now we're just talking about cars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Back to cars. Um, <laughs> so what's his Instagram? So everybody knows. So it's at uh, Hernan Comas. Okay. He has uh, twenty five hundred followers. He's from Paraguay. Paraguay. So go give Hernan a follow. He deserves your follow. Yeah, he man. is a badass. He's great. Yeah, that was sick. All right, who we got next? Next up is. And I hope I'm pronouncing this right, but I'm just reading the at on Instagram. At deny underscore Palaka. Okay. Uh, has 1,300 followers from Istanbul. Okay. Let's do first video from deny. All right. That's a low hat. Interesting. I don't know what exactly happened in a lot of those modulations. Yeah. A whole bunch of strange movements for sure. So that was very cool. Definitely tricky stuff to study. That's for sure. So I noticed two things, um, the two like like constructive criticisms here, and I have been guilty of both of these things before. It's why it's easier for me to see them. So the first one is shoulders and neck. And I remember Benny Greb actually had this criticism of me uh, when I had a lesson with him, or at least one of the conversations that we had. He was like, I can see in your jaw and your neck is where you hold a lot of tension, right? And in certain moments of the music, not the entire time, I would either bite my teeth or do a little neck flex sort of thing or shrug my shoulders a little bit. And he was like, you need to let all of that go because while certain muscles do need to be tense and active, it's not those. And so I saw a little bit of the like, the shrugginess sort of happening. So the the way to the fix this is really, it's as simple as just like, take a breath, like take a breath, like let all of that go and just remind yourself to do that like every 30 seconds, right? Until you eventually sort of let go of some of that like tension that you might hold in your body. Uh, so that was one very small thing that I saw, not a big deal. And the other one, another thing I've been very guilty of is controlling the rebound of the snare stroke with your left hand a little bit too much. So by that, I mean, when it, you're not like like choking the stick, like holding it down against the snare head necessarily, because I never really did that. It was more so I don't let it come back up. And the irony of playing drums, this weird like fact about rhythm, like whenever you're playing rhythm or playing drums, you are always going to hit the stick again. After every stroke, guess what's coming next? It's another stroke. It's always another stroke, right? So it's like... When you, when you allow that stick to come down, you want to behave in your physical body 
as though you're planning for the next one. So it's not like tap and then hold it there. Like we're doing another stroke, right? We definitely are. So you really wanna let that flow back up a little bit more. So she's doing a good job of controlling the rebound and not just burying the stick or you know, conversely letting the stick fly around aimlessly. So she's controlling it. But I would say just a little bit more of like, let it come back to a little bit more of a natural position instead of still slightly pointed down. But with all of that said, the technical difficulty of what she played here was pretty high. Like I felt like there were, was it, I wasn't counting, but like were there quintuplets at a certain point? Felt like a very odd subdivision. I don't know. What if you're I, it, would, it would take someone more familiar with odd time signatures to, or odd subdivisions, to point yeah. it out. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. I mean, that was awesome. I want to see another one from her. That was great. Yeah. Okay. Let's do next one from... From Deny. 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 Yeah, I like the wrist technique in this one a lot. Really clean wrists yeah. for sure. Great, great control over the stick. It feels like, I don't know, you can just, honestly, you can just tell the people who have put more time into their technique than others. And I think her technique looks fantastic here. It felt a touch fast, just a touch, but it also felt like in the proper practice window where it's like, that's about exactly how it should sound when you're like just stretching that that top end of the speed that you can get out of it while yeah. it's still played clean and correctly. But I really love the technique here. I thought that sounded fantastic. And uh, little, was it Weckle? Yeah, that, that inverted double stroke thing I think came yeah. from him, though it's <laughs> it's permeated the drum industry well now. Virtually yeah. everybody plays those inverted doubles. But that was really, really clean, man. Awesome player. Very, very solid drummer, man. That was great. Yeah. All right. Well, shout out to both Hernan and Denai yeah. on the today's segment of Sleeper Spotlight. How many followers does she have? 1,300. 1,300. All right. Get her up there, man. Let's get her up. 27,000 by tonight. K. <laughs> Or we'll riot or something. I don't know. Exactly. We're canceling uh, the pod. All right, cool. Uh, that'll do it for Sleeper Spotlight. You guys have suggestions of sleepers that you'd like to see? Please send them my way to chrisatorlanderdrummer.com. And reminder, you cannot nominate yourself because that's not how this works. Yeah. And you can't have your girlfriend nominate you. We had that happen a couple times. Yeah. Where I'm like, I know your boyfriend asked you to send this email. In the email, it would say, like, my buddy told me to email you Yeah, guys. there was one like, that was just like that. Right. And I'm like, come on, you're not, like, hacking this as a ah, self-promo thing. Really, that's not what we're yeah, doing. Do you really think that this guy yeah. is good? <laughs> well, also, like, like... How cool is it to surprise your friend? Like, don't do it on their behalf. Like, don't. Right. You're you know, not saying like, that, like, this is NBC and we're featuring you on, like, you know, worldwide news or something like that. Yeah. We're not selling these promo spots. Yeah. It's not like that. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, so surprise your buddy. Don't tell him, you know. Yeah. That's, that's a way cooler way to do this. We try to vet those a little bit to make sure nobody's. I don't know, like selfishly trying to use it as a self-promo tool. Yeah, well, I mean, ultimately, too, like this was to bring other drummers up. Like this is sure. a good, not cross-promotional tool, but necessarily, but I don't pick drummers I hate. Like I don't pick drummers sure, that we like seem, all of them. Yeah. seem like, the, oh, like, I don't know, gimmicky or whatever. Like, yeah. no, we want to pick people that are promising and yeah. at least deserve a little bit of your attention. That's the well, whole point of it. And I've seen a handful of drummers, a couple of the people we featured, guys have messaged them and say, hey, I, I don't know this guy, but I just love his playing and I've watched him for a few oh, months yeah, and I can't the, believe, the you know, and like that is, that's so fucking pure. That's exactly what we yeah. want, right? Like people that just, I don't know, are, are, the fan base here the listeners here would genuinely just enjoy listening to those are the kind of people we want and it's hard mm -hmm. to find them sometimes it really is so yeah if you're listening and you do know uh, of some drummer that uh that you like that maybe a lot of other people don't surprise them and send us their uh send us their info man we love featuring these people yeah absolutely all right and then speaking of uh Interaction with the fans. Okay. Uh, we got Q&A coming Q up. Q&A, all yep. right. So uh, there's questions and answers, right? They come from Instagram. They come from YouTube. They come from the forums of Orlando Drummer. Um, send your questions straight to me at chrisatorlandodrummer.com. I'll feature them on the podcast to ask Adam so we can get his insight on whatever you're thinking. Anything. Seriously, nothing's off the table. Oh, yeah? Uh, so first question from Rupa Puma okay. asks... I'm about to start teaching locally. Any tips to get me started? 
Mm, locally, yes, plenty of tips for you, for sure. Um, you know, when I first started teaching drum lessons, it was all that I did. It was my full-time job for many, many years before I went online at all. And I started making some online lessons really in order to, I guess, increase the value of my in-person lesson. So if somebody was studying with me in person, I would be able to say, hey, when you go home, this lesson that we did today or this week, here's a video of that same lesson so you can sort of recap that lesson when you get home. And so that was one very early on thing that I figured out that I think was helpful is that creating video lessons uh, for your in-person students does add a tremendous value to your lesson. So I would recommend doing that for sure. Um, not necessarily, I'm not telling you to go down the road of having an online career necessarily. If you don't want to do that and you really enjoy in-person lessons, still an awesome thing to do. But having videos to sort of supplement um, some of those lessons or at least, you know, just add to the lesson, that was really, really helpful for me. And I noticed my students really liked that as well. It was something they had never seen before. So that was really cool. Uh, beyond that, um, Craigslist and Facebook marketing ads, you know, th those are really big, not even paid ads necessarily, but well, 10 or 12 years ago, Craigslist was a lot different than it was now, yeah. but I got most of my students from Craigslist. That was a big one, you know, posting ads daily. Uh, also investing in a website is a really, really big one. So, and you know, you, you can build it on Squarespace or on Wix or on any one of those you know, do-it-yourself website builders, those are totally fine. What you need is like a five-page website that has a few videos of your of your playing, um, it has a few student testimonials, it has a bio so people can, can, or parents especially, can learn a little bit about you. You just need some of the fundamentals up there so people can have that sort of stuff. Social media is another huge one, that's a really big one. But I can tell you where the biggest source of students ever came from, and it was parent referrals, because a good music teacher, the reputation of a good music teacher will spread most quickly through parent circles. It happens a lot. Um, my good buddy, Joe Hodgen, who has been on both the Orlando Drummer podcast and uh, my other podcast, All In With Adam, um, he's, he's the loop smith. He's written all of the loops, virtually all of the loops on orlandodrummer.com. He is a um, a very well-known guitar teacher in Orlando, and he's got a waiting list of students. And one of the things that he did was he hosted a recital every year. He's actually got one coming up in oh, does he? like a week or two. Oh, yeah. good. They're back. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. back in person. Yeah, these are super, super cool. It's like a yeah. I've helped him film some of these before. Oh, we should go. It's, uh, it's, it's really fun, dude. I teared up at the last one. I think we talked about this on... I didn't get to go. We, I think before... Before COVID, yeah, I we were talking about like, oh, like oh you were gonna come help film, yeah, one we them. were gonna yeah. help all work on it together, and mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I'm excited, this would be cool, you know, dude, it's then, so oh. it's so fun. Well, he sells we'll tickets; go. it's like a show. Like he rents a venue locally, and he hires a band to sit behind the kids, and and the, the band is playing the cover, whatever the the kid wants to do, and they're all themed by the decade. So he did 60s, 70s, 80s, I think it's 90s, this one is what he's doing. Cool. And then they do holiday themes, so like a Christmas show. Ooh. And it's, it's a recital, so all the parents and family members can come. They can buy tickets virtually and watch a live stream of it. So it's a pretty technically advanced production. But it's really cool because, you know, the reason it was so emotional for me going is because you see these kids don't know the difference between you know, there was 150, 200 people there. So it's a pretty sizable audience for like an eight-year-old. Um, but to them, it might as well as have been an arena because when they go up on stage with a band behind them and a guitar and a spotlight on them, you know, like that is a powerful moment. I don't know if you remember that moment, if it ever happened to you, but the first time you perform music to an audience live with other people around you, like, whew, there's a heaviness to that. It's really cool. And so how he... he accumulated such a large student roster was by filming these and then putting them or and then sending the videos to the parents who would put them on Facebook and then they would share them around and you almost have like this parent jealousy thing that happens oh, where yeah. someone's like how did your kid get look how cool my kid is yeah and other parents are like hey like how did you get your kid to like play on stage with a band and yeah they're like, it's my guitar teacher joe yeah. and then joe would get this long list of different people you know emailing him to want to start lessons so that was one very cool tactic that he did um you know it, it's there's not one way to, to do it to like build up a 
a large roster of local students in your area. There's not like one way. It's really a long collection, a long list or a collection of different things that you should be doing all at once. Online ads, yeah, that's a huge one. Website, that's a big one. Email marketing, if you can collect the emails of people in your area who might be interested in this sort of thing, that's helpful. Volunteering at any type of music program for a local school, whether it's a private or a public school, that's a really big one as well. And of course, networking with other teachers, because there are times when uh, teachers will, let's say, take a gig and have to have someone sub in some of their students. That's a big one, too. Um, I'm not a huge fan of teaching at a music shop unless you genuinely don't want to do the work of marketing and finding your own students. If that's not appealing to you, then I understand Then I'd say, yeah, you can go teach in a music shop for sure. But I loved having the control of sort of finding scheduling and working with all of my students independently from a music shop. So that's always been my preference. But um, yeah, my best advice would be to do everything, do everything that comes to mind, um, whether it's, you know, a recital, Facebook ads, Craigslist ads, volunteering at a, at a school, uh, networking with parents at different events like that. Anything and everything is going to be helpful. It's not just one thing. So, yeah, hopefully all of that that helps, man. That's a great question. Do everything is the short version of Do that everything. Answer. That's kind of been my answer for a few questions. <laughs> like, just everything? Just everything? Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. Well, Dude, you, you might think there's a magic trick. And I guess it's my way of saying there is not a magic trick there, to that. No, it, there's it's no like one single answer. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. I don't know. Because otherwise saying do everything is like, oh, it's the weight of the world on your shoulders. Kind of, like, sort of. Yeah. Right, cool. Well, do everything. A, being a solo entrepreneur does feel like that, you know? You do have to specialize in a lot, yeah. being a solo entrepreneur. Yeah, it, absolutely. It, it, um, it requires you to put more attention into things you otherwise thought were unimportant in yeah. the past. So I do have so. one other one other point, though. This is one thing that I did. That I'm, I haven't taught private lessons in a very long time, but I'm thinking back to some things that were helpful. And one thing that I really dislike, I hate when people first get into the teaching world and they try to effectively undercut normal lesson prices. They'll go, you know, one hour lessons for 20 bucks. Like, I don't like that. I yeah. think you should be right on par mm. with what lessons cost. So, like, 50 bucks an hour is right about where you should start. Maybe 40, depending on the area that you live in and what the local economy might be like. But one thing that I did do was I offered... I offered discounted pricing for longer periods of time. So if you sign up for three months and you want to cut a check for all three months or at least pay monthly, then I would give them a better deal. And that was something that they couldn't find at Guitar Center or Sam Ash or some other local music store. They didn't have anything like that. So that was definitely helpful. But just be careful because I'm not telling you to go – cut your drum lesson prices in half. No, because no, it's not really not yeah. that sort of thing. If you feel like you're worth $20 an hour and that's all that you're worth, then I would say don't teach yet. It, it's really it's a weird world to get into if you have to be half of the cost yeah. of everyone else that does this for a living, right? It probably means it's a little soon for you to start teaching. So, just something to keep in mind. Yeah, value yourself. And if you yes. feel that you are not of of that value, do what you can to be of that value correct. to yourself and to other people. And Co- then you can charge what's appropriate for your services. Yeah, correct. Correct. Yeah, building your value would be the the answer to that one. If you there think you go. Yeah, exactly. If you think you're worth 20 bucks an hour, how do we get it to 40? You know, what can you do to uh, make yourself more valuable? Yeah. Mm. Cool. I like that. All right. Well, thank you, Rupa Puma. Yeah. Next question from Mattia.uh asks, as a drummer who's never actually gigged before, how do I start getting out there and getting gigs? Which is a very appropriate question as gigs start to happen more prevalently. Yeah, now. they are coming back a bit, right? We're very excited. Interesting. Well, yeah, okay. So I got most of my gigs, I don't want to say pre-internet, but like early, a little before the internet. So it's a it's an interesting one for me. So the biggest thing with finding any gig is going to be networking. It's that portion of the music industry, that sector of the music industry where... It's just networking. That's what it comes down to, right? It's who you know and, and you know, putting yourself out there for a lack of better words. So social media definitely has changed that since I was in the gigging world because I have no idea how many bands have been formed via Instagram DM, but it's probably a lot. So that's a great way to great way to go about that for sure. Um, but I also think like going to shows would be a really big one, especially if the bands that you're going to see are like music for musicians. So good example, animals as leaders, like 
how many people do you think play music in the audience? Like it's at least half. It's at least half, right? And you already got the genre thing out of the way because if you wanted to start a metal band, well, all the people who play metal locally are very likely at that show. At least a ton of them are. So that takes a lot of effort on your part. I mean, you got to go into full extrovert mode to go to a show with the intention of meeting people and starting a band with them. You really got to go out and make that happen. So that's definitely definitely a harder one, but it's probably, it has the highest likelihood of success, I think, for sure. Um, another way to do it where bands form a ton are any type of social groups where you might meet up. So like church is a really like a hack for that one. That's a big one. Or bars, like anywhere that facilitates like small talk conversations where friend groups kind of merge around, any of that sort of stuff, that's where you'll make a lot of those connections. But it's much like finding students and building a roster of students. Like there is not one thing that's gonna do it. There's not some hack. There's no magic trick. It's really just doing a combination of things. But I would say the best thing you could do for yourself would be to put on your extrovert hat and really, really try to make some friends locally, whether it be at shows or at church or at bars or anywhere where you might meet people your age that have similar interests. Um, and again, the show is the easiest one if you go to a show because you're filtering down to like the musicians, you know, you could go to a bar and meet a bunch of cool people and none of them play music. So I, I would say uh, being an extrovert at a show is by far the best way to do it. And yeah. the other way would be like like forums. If you can find an online community, like Drummers of Central Florida might be a Facebook group somewhere. Uh, yeah, right. I mean, it could technically be our Facebook group that, that existed. <laughs> I guess it could, yeah. But oh, you know, man. that sort of thing, right? Um, or also, I'm just like talking out loud here, but like, if you know anyone in a band locally, like anyone at all, they know other bands and other bands yeah, often yeah, need musicians. Yeah, so if absolutely. you can get in those social circles, yeah. that would be helpful, you know? Yeah. Shout out, by the way, to Music for Musicians based in Orlando, Sunstrife, Buddy Kevin's band. All right. Um, oh, you talked about Kevin, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go to shows with him and everybody's a musician there. You meet people. Yeah. You know, a few times it's like, oh, this is Chris. He plays drums as well. Yeah. And then people would be like, you drummer? Cool. Yeah, that's oh, all cool. it takes sometimes, right? right? Oh, you play drums? Oh, dude, look at your oh, yeah. oh, cool. Like, what kind of stuff? Uh, I play guitar. Like, <laughs> yeah. And you get, you know, the, the people that aren't playing that show the you know that week. They're sure. playing next week or something like that. And yeah. Of course, yeah, you yeah. meet people. It's a good thing. Be social, I think, is the short answer to that. Yeah. Be social. As best you can. Outside you know? the internet. Yeah. And inside the internet. Sure. I don't know. It all works. Yeah. It all works. All right. So that's, uh, is that it? You wanted to touch on anything else? I think that's it, man. I got a little, good. A little closing message for y'all today. Ooh. Um, so today's actually an interesting day. I didn't know until I woke up. Kelly told me. Uh, but today is the one year anniversary since I had to put down my dog, Snitch. And uh, Snitch was my dog since I got him when I was 18. I just turned 18 and put him down at 31, I think. Or 30-ish? Yeah. Either way, he was um, he was 14. I got him when he was about two years old. So I had him about 12 years, man. And he was my dog through my entire 20s. I got a lot of other dogs. There was no other dog like Snitch. He was that dog. If you're a dog owner, you know who that dog is. You know, you can get you can get a lot of other dogs, but there's always the one. So Snitch was my one for sure. And it's been one year today uh, since we had to let Snitch go. And a couple things. One you know, I wanted a huge thank you to the drum community because I posted about losing him, um, you know, a year ago today. And man, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people just showing support, being like, you know, RIP brother snitches, you know, like, and man, it's, it's just so cool to have a community that will do that. Not all communities will do that, but the drum industry does. So first of all, you know, just feeling grateful, remembering back, I went back to that post this morning on Instagram and was like, God damn, that is so cool to just have people that, that will, um, that will be that supportive, you know? There's a lot of dog lovers too, right? Which is awesome. You never know how many people are dog lovers until you post about your dog. Uh, so that was really cool. But, you know, there was another thing that, that you and I talked about because I know you had lost a dog. I was just about to say, I think it, your loss of Snitch helped me get through my loss of well, my dog, Rowdy. We so, talked about this a lot, yeah. you know? And and that was sort of my closing message is one of the things that I remember you and I had a lot of conversations about. One of the things that I learned from that experience of losing a dog that I loved that much was... 
the value of leaning in to the experience and to not pretend that it wasn't happening. You know, I decided when when we knew that it was his last few days, I decided that I was going to lean into this experience the best that I could. So this goes all the way from like, I am driving him to the vet to have him put down. I'm staring him in the eyes when he actually goes. I'm carrying his body to the car. I'm digging the hole that I'm putting him in. You know, it was, it was, I will be fully here and fully present for the difficulty that is this experience. And I'm willing to feel these feelings and to not to not pretend that this is something else, right? Like Like a willingness to have the experience no matter what. And man, was that so helpful. And, you know, I I feel like this isn't too far of a stretch from some of the things that we go through in artistry in trying to become a better drummer, any artistic pursuit or artistic craft, you are going to run in to emotionally difficult times, you're going to be frustrated, you're going to be annoyed, you're going to be I don't know, you name the the negative neurotic emotion that that artistry might evoke. We all know what those kind of feelings are. <clears throat> the frustration that you can't get a gig, that you can't get a student, that you're whatever, whatever it is. But a willingness to lean into that feeling and say, that's okay to feel that. It's okay to feel frustrated sometimes. It's okay to be mad sometimes. Um, you know, to, a willingness to be present and experience what the current feeling is. Man, that, in hindsight, a year later, man, that was one of the most helpful things, right? To just let the feeling be what it is. And I think sometimes artists are notorious for getting um, a little bit cloudy in their in their you know, navigating the emotional waters of artistry. Sometimes people can get really frustrated and, and sort of not know where they are. And so, you know, if you needed a reminder for something like this today, I hope this can serve as a good reminder that uh, that it's okay to be to be frustrated, to be mad sometimes. And it's in your best interest. It serves you best to lean into those negative feelings, not to not to dwell on them necessarily, but to let yourself feel whatever it is that you're feeling. It's It's an okay thing to do. At certain times, so I'm just remembering that today and uh, and how helpful that actually was, you know. So, so yeah, that's uh, that's my closing message. It's a little abstract, but you know, no, it is what um, it is. I think it'll translate perfectly. Yeah, that's great. Cool. All right, guys. Well, we appreciate you guys. We love you guys. Happy 21st birthday to us. Happy 21st huh? birthday. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Drink responsibly, everybody. <laughs> yes. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Appreciate it, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.